0: Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 106, How Rebecca Ross Writes. Welcome, welcome to a special episode with fantasy author Rebecca Ross. Rebecca and I dive into the differences between writing fantasy for teens and writing for adults. We talk about her journey to becoming a storyteller, and a bunch of her tips and secrets. I'm also so excited to release this episode this week, right as her novel, A River Enchanted, publishes on February 15th. So it'll be out into the world by the time your ears are hearing this. Congrats to Rebecca for a big, big week. Now, my friends, without any further ado, here is the interview with Rebecca Ross. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's very special guest is Rebecca Ross. Rebecca is the author of fantasy novels for teens and adults. She lives in the Appalachian foothills. I think I said that wrong. Appalachian?
1: <laughs> Appalachian, Appal- yes. You can say either way, but okay. Appalachian is...
0: she. She lives in the Appalachian (laughs) foothills of Northeast Georgia with her husband, a lively Australian shepherd, and an endless pile of books. Boy, do I relate to that. The Queen Rising, The Queen's Resistance, Sister of Sword and Song, and Dreams Lie Beneath are her titles for young adult readers. A River Enchanted is her adult fantasy debut, which is publishing just around the corner from when, when we are recording this, February 15th. 2022, and a sequel is to follow. When she is not writing, she can be found reading or in her garden where she grows wild flowers and story ideas. I love that so much. Rebecca, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: I am um, very excited to interview you. I have like a million topics to go into. I'm sorry for butchering Appalachian.
1: <laughs> it's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think those... most
1: people say Apple Appalachia or... Appalachia, if you're not from the area. So it's one of those things. I don't know. It's, it's perfectly fine though.
0: (laughs) Okay. So for all you listeners out there who I just butchered where you live, (laughs) but except my apology ahead of time, I did not at all mean to do that. Um, here's, here's where, where we can kick this whole thing off. Um, one of the things I've noticed as I've interviewed authors over the past couple of years is authors tend to have an interest in doing activities that are very meditative. So baking, yoga, running. One I see a lot is gardening. I don't know what it is, but authors just seem to like gardening. And so I'm curious, since it was in your intro, I kind of read that on your site, which is where I took it from. Um, what is it about gardening for you? Like, what is it about being out there and doing that, that, that opens up stories?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, it gets me out of the house, which is <laughs> really important because I feel like, you know, if I'm on deadline or drafting, I often will have very unhealthy practice, where I will just sit and like be working hour upon hour after hour. And sometimes I won't go outside at all. So gardening, it gets you out outdoors. gets the sun on your face, breathe the fresh air. But I feel like there's just something really beautiful about um, planting something and watching it grow. And if you're doing like a vegetable garden, um, you know, it's a lot of hard work and toiled to, to first of all, like till, till the ground and, and get it prepared and then to plant everything and then to water everything and then to keep all the, the pests away. So I know I have a lot of deer, a lot of rabbits, and it's just like constant battle with them to try to make sure they don't eat everything. Um, but there's just something very rewarding about it. And I do think, again, it's something about just like putting your hands in the soil mm-hmm. Um, planting something and then just watching it bloom. And honestly, I feel like I could draw so many metaphors with gardening and writing. So, yes, I
0: was just thinking um, that.
1: Yes. <laughs> because I am very much a discovery writer. And I think George R. R. Martin likened that discovery writer to a gardener where you're kind of kneeling and digging in the soil and you're discovering things as you're going. Mm. Um, but I do. I think it's just like a combination of things where. Um, it is somewhat like a physical activity outdoors and again, just watching something grow slowly over time and then reaping the harvest. That's just a very rewarding thing.
0: And keeping pests away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping, keeping deer from eating your, your words that are working for you. What, what is a discovery writer? I've not heard that term before.
1: So you might've heard it uh, sometimes people call them pantsers or you write okay. by the seat of your pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they're literally authors who don't outline and rarely plan. They just mm-hmm. have an idea and they said, I'm going to sit down and start writing with it and see where it takes me. So it's a very exciting type of writing, but it's also very scary because you don't have mm-hmm. an outline and you're kind of just going with your gut. Um, I feel like in my earlier stages of writing, like before I had like really, like gotten the hang of writing full length novels, it's especially hard cause you know, you have to really be in tune with the storytelling beats, your pacing. Um, but a lot of times you just worry about that later. So I find that a lot of discovery writers love drafting. Like drafting is the most exhilarating fun part mm. of the process for them. And it's the revising that's really hard because the revising is when you have to go back and try to make sense of everything you just like drafted because you didn't really have an outline. Um, And then for those authors that do outline, um, they're like the architects, the planners, you know, they'll make like a blueprint of the entire plot. And before they even write a word, which to me, you know, I find that it's probably more effective to work that way, but I have discovered so many of my best plot twists and even my characters just like in the moment, just like going with the momentum. So, um, but yeah, sometimes I'll start something and I don't even know really how it's going to end and that it's always just so scary, but I just have to trust myself like, okay, it's all going to come together yeah. and it, it typically does. So, um, so yeah, that is, that is like what a discovery writer is in a nutshell. And a lot of writers, honestly, they might be a little bit of both, like a 50-50 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. split where maybe they start off outlining and then they kind of discovery write the, the last part of the book, or they kind of have a little bit of both. Um every now and then I will bring out my journal if I'm getting like to the third act of a story. And I know I have all these revelations happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm tying up all the threads. Sometimes I will like go ahead and write out like, okay, what do I want to happen in this chapter, this chapter, this chapter. So I kind of know and kind of can keep track of things. Um, so typically if I ever outline, it is like that last act. So I make sure that I, I know how to bring everything together.
0: Trying to pull the pieces together. Yeah. It's um, I've never heard that. It called discovery writer. And I really like that because pantsing kind of has a little bit of a negative connotation. Yeah. Like, yeah. like most times when you're flying by the seat of the pants. It's not a good thing. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know what laughs> no one's like, boy, I really flew by the seat of my pants. and It was great. Like, and so, you know, you have, you know, these plotters that are exalted and then pantsers, which are, you know, it's got, it's got a little, uh, you know, a little zing to it. And I like that discovery because I do, you know, I've had so many writers on the show who they can't plot. Like it takes the joy out of writing for them if they have a plot. And so it's interesting to hear it framed that way. It, it, it kind of clicked a little bit. Something in, in, in saying it that way really worked. We might, you might hear me using that a lot more. So um, one of the things whenever I talk to plotters I'm always really interested in is, is and I think it's important for writers out there, is how, did, how do you discern between this is something I need to write about right? This is a character or a scene, or this is a direction I want to go. This is a beat I'm going to take within the narrative. How do you discern that the really good story stuff with um, that's a cool idea, but I don't want to chase it. Cause I think a lot of writers, especially if they're not plotting and doing that, like heavy, you use that word architect. We use that a lot too, architecting at the beginning. They struggle then to know how to stay on any type of path that's going to get them to the end. And they wind up going, you know, a bazillion different, like a ping pong ball um, going all around. So how does that work for you?
1: So in the very beginning stages, like it's typically, I'll, I typically see a character in a situation and it's so compelling that I just have to write about it. Mm. I've had a few instances where I had a compelling idea and it just fizzled out and I knew the idea wasn't ready. So I was like, just shelf this for now. Maybe I'll come back to it in a few years. Right. And that has happened where, you know, I had this one idea that it needed to sit for like four years and then I was ready to write or had the pieces together. Um, Lainey Taylor kind of likened it as like a story is like making fire where you need two things to strike against each other to make sparks mm-hmm. and a flame. So sometimes if I have like one really compelling idea, I need to find that other idea to spark. Um, but as far as like r- like in the process of writing the manuscript and trying to reach the end Um, I feel like it really is just like this intuition where, and it's scary because you have to just trust yourself and you have to trust the characters. Like, you know, you know, you have something good here, um, and you just, you just need to trust it. So one of my really good friends, my critique partner, she always plans stuff out, um, But for one of her stories, she decided she was going to discovery, write it, And she would literally text me like every other day. And like, I am so scared right now because I don't know (laughs) where the story is going, you know? And so sometimes like it helps to have someone to bounce ideas off of too, because she we would brainstorm together. So she'd be like, I'm not sure, you know, if this needs to happen or I'm not sure if this needs to happen. So sometimes it's also nice just to have someone, um, a critique partner, another Mm -hmm. writer that you can bounce ideas off of if you are like, wow, which... Which way do I go here with the plot? Yeah. But I do think like, and again, this kind of goes back to like storytelling being like magic where when you are in a story and you're like channeling channeling it and just kind of letting it flow, like it's going to carry you to the end and you're going to see the path you need to go. Um, so a lot of it though is just, you have to trust yourself. And if you are like, like me, I draft really quickly. So I can draft a book in about two months. That's because like I need to mm-hmm. like, I want to get the words out on the page and you just know, like, you know, maybe this scene is wrong and maybe it needs to be rewritten. Like that'll come later in revision. So just knowing like not trying to edit as you go, I think helps a lot with discovery writings. I think if you start, you know, trying to edit and then it can, mm-hmm, it can bog you mm-hmm. down and you start questioning, Oh, am I going the mm-hmm. right way? You just need to kind of just go and, and get to the end and then you can go back and pull apart stuff and rewrite things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, um, that's one of the parts as I've done this show that's really more and more comes out as being really important is this idea of momentum and how strong momentum just kind of carries, like, when you're in that groove and you're writing and you're, you're getting words on the page, um, after like a week or two of a good rhythm, it gets so much easier. And I think a lot of times writers, um, they do a lot of start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And it's not a judgment. I mean, sometimes life is, is crazy. Like the past two months of my life has been absolutely bananas. So I get it that life sometimes, um throws curveballs at you. But, and I should say, you know, that kind of momentum, I do think is something that's that discovery, I love that. Discovery writers really get, you know, they they don't have to critique themselves. They're not sticking to a certain plan. I think even if you're a plotter, there's something really powerful in being like, hey, this is cool. I'm gonna go with it. As opposed to kind of like saying no. Um it's an interesting, interesting, interesting concept. <laughs> Let's, let's take a little pivot here. I have a question to ask you. Um, for you, what's the difference in writing novels for adults as compared to teens?
1: Yeah. So this is a good question because my adult <laughs> novel is about to come out.
0: Yeah. So... And, and this is why it's like it's like, what, what, what is it as you're approaching a book? Like, what are you doing differently between where the, one or the other?
1: Yeah. So it was interesting with A River Enchanted, I didn't set out to write an adult novel. It just happened as I was writing it. So again, kind of like many people along going, the way. <laughs> going back to just kind of discovering that story. I just, you know, I was a couple chapters in and was sending chapter by chapter my, to my critique partner. She was critiquing as I went and she mm-hmm. asked me point blank, Hey, is this YA or adult? She was already picking up on the vibes that it wasn't completely mm-hmm. YA. And I think um, it really just comes down to like your tone of the story, the pacing of the story in the, the elements of the story. So, you know, I've seen some YA novels handle very dark, um, hard topics in a very good way. Like, I don't think, you know, because it's YA means we need to like keep certain things out of it because teens certainly encounter very difficult things. Um, but I do think there's a way of executing it where with YA, you're still very mindful because um, mm-hmm. you are writing for teens. And then with adults, it's just a little bit different. It is a little bit more liberating as you're not necessarily having to be concerned with how you're delivering things. Um, But again, like, you know, with, again, with YA, it's this very, typically a very fast paced, snappy Mm -hmm. type of storytelling. And I think that's why so many adults like to read it as well, because they want, sometimes you just want to completely be immersed in something that's very fast paced. And um, so I could, I could tell with A River Enchanted, and I'm typically more of a slow burn type of writer anyways, right? have a lot of elements and I'm slowly mm. building towards something. So um, with my YA books, it was always like my editors were like, we've got to cut this, you know, they'd be like, we need to cut like 50 to hundred pages of your books. It's like, you know, your pacing is too slow. Like we need to cut the first three chapters and start here, you know? So it was always so like kind of hard to me I'm think, Oh yeah. my goodness. Like, and it's just, I think the way I like to tell a story um, and I think sometimes that just lends it better to an adult audience because adults aren't necessarily you know, a teen might be like, Oh, this is, this is moving too slow for me, but adults, it's different. And then again, just the tone of the writing. And, um, with a river enchanted, I just, I realized my two of my main characters are in their twenties. They are dealing with this marriage. They have different ideologies. And so it's them really struggling, um, to make their marriage work. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think, (laughs) <laughs> I don't think teens really want to read about this. You know, <laughs> most you teens don't know that yet. Yeah. Married, you can't, not that you you know you can have because um, there are some some YA books where the main characters get married, and it's, right. it's very amusing to read about. But it was just it just brought a different energy. So um, so again, the, and there's some you know some people do struggle to you know there's some YA that's very upper YA, so it has a lot of crossover appeal. Mm-hmm same with certain fantasy books, you know, one that I can think of as the bear and the nightingale by Catherine Arden. Um, that is an adult book, but it does have a lot of crossover appeal to YA as well, because the main character, um, we're watching her grow up. So it is like mm-hmm. a coming of age story for her. So it can be kind of hard to define. And I know that's almost kind of strange, but I think, you know, coming from YA to adult, it's definitely been interesting just to see the shift in, Um, YA is what I know and what I'm comfortable with. But when I was writing River and Change it, I could tell that I was hungry to write about things that I had not written about yet. So I just had to kind of let myself go and explore that.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because there's as you were saying that, thinking about some themes that um wouldn't maybe make sense in YA. Like the idea of like a relationship you've been with a long time in your life is intertwined that then is struggling is probably not something. Mm-hmm. until until you've had that decade with somebody that you start to realize wow that that's that's a has resonance um so that makes that makes tons of sense as far as like your perspective on everything after like i think there there's i know there's a ton of ya listeners who listen to the show um and there's a, you know, there's kind of people across the genre <laughs> spectrum, mm-hmm. but lots of YA, lots of fantasy, lots of sci-fi folks. So as far as how you think about the the overall process of writing an entire YA book as compared to an adult book, is there any changes for you in like the composition and the editing of it? Is there anything different in the publicity of it? Is there anything different with the way you think about your reader? Like, are you thinking about a YA reader as you write? Like, is there any part specifically that comes to mind? You're like, wow, this really changed for me writing an adult book.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it where who was my audience? Like who was this book for? And when I was writing it, I was like, you know what, when my critique partner is like, what well, is this YA or adult? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I told myself like, okay, don't worry about that right now. Like just get, get the story down on the page. and then when we come back to visions, we can really look at it again. So the first draft, I really just wrote it for myself. I wrote the book that I wanted to read. And I think there's something very powerful in that, that you're just mm-hmm. writing something mm-hmm. that you want to read. Um, and so then when I came back and looked it over, that's when I was like, okay, what does the story need for me? And who is the story for? And I just, I could not picture the book sitting on the YA shelf next to my YA's. Like I, I saw it on the adult shelf. And if I have any moment of doubt as to, is this for teens or not probably means it needs to just go to the adult shelf. And if teens want to read it, they can go find it over there. Um, So especially like with my YAs, there was never any, when I was writing them, there's never any question. Like Mm this is for teens or not. Like it was always for teens. Um, So it's definitely kind of opened my world up a bit more. Like now when I'm thinking of new story ideas, I'm thinking like, well, again, like which audience is this Mm -hmm. for? So it somewhat kind of makes it a little bit more complicated now that I have these two arenas almost yeah. but um as far as like you know the editing process again with river enchanted i felt like with adult fantasy in particular they will let you have longer word counts whereas ya they're like they want it as close to oh, hundred thousand words as possible so okay. like my editors all of my yas they're like we need to cut 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 like get this down get this down and it was just always so stressful for me because like i just you know i write these very long epic stories. And I feel like if I cut too much away, it's going to feel like pieces are missing. Um, And so it was just so again, liberating to have the the space to be able to write a long Mm. epic tale with River Enchanted. Like not once was my editor ever like, Oh, we need to cut a hundred pages out of this. You know, because my editor's like, you know, you have multiple points of view. There's a lot going on here. Like the book needs to breathe. You know, it doesn't need to feel choppy because we're trying to cut words. Um, So from that editorial aspect, it is different. So again, your adult fantasy, it's okay to have quite long epic tales. And then YA, they want to keep you a little bit more shorter on the shorter end, which I do understand again, because like teens don't really, I mean, there might be a few teens, but most teens don't want to pick up a huge, huge Mm -hmm. book, you know? Um, But as far as like the publicity and stuff, I feel like it's been, you know, fairly, fairly the same, like working with a team of people who... Um, or pitching the book, and um, so that's just been really nice. I've really enjoyed um, my team for my adult book. I feel like they've just done so much for me, and like you know, even just pitching me, to, you know, to your podcast, you know, right. just
0: you been- get to talk to me. How great is this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you a question: Is somebody who's writing across different um, genres? This is a topic that's come up a lot, and I'm I am personally really interested in it and the implications of it do you feel as if regardless if you're writing for teens or adults that you're still tackling the same theme in your work said another way do you (laughs) view yourself as having a single theme that you're just exploring different books different genres different characters different
1: stories. yeah this is a really good I'm like I'm glad you said this because I you know I'm about to publish my fifth book and Mm -hmm. it's interesting looking back over all of my books it's like I feel like I am drawing a lot from the same themes over and over again. So, and I think it's just natural that you're going to want to write about the things you are interested in or that draw you. And that could, you're just kind of re-envisioning it multiple ways. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I know I typically focus a lot on family in my stories, whether it's found family or family by blood. Like, it's just like, I'm always very fascinated by those family binds. as as also this is kind of funny but there's always like a university or a school in every single one of my books is like Mm. obviously like I really care about education because like there's always some type of school or university you mentioned Um, so yeah I definitely think that you know you can look you can have certain themes that you really care about and you can look at them or examine them from different angles and um, but sometimes I'm like man I wonder if I should try to like Branch out a little bit more and take on something completely different, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Somebody, I I had a guest on like a year ago and they said like, go through any author and every book they've ever written is just on one theme, whether or not they know it or not. Writers are only writing against one theme and it kind of blew my mind. And I, I think I didn't believe it. I'm not sure if I still believe it just as a full disclosure. I'm not saying I think that's true but i've been testing it for so long now for, like i've been asking so many people on the show whether or not they write in one theme it's it's interesting it seems as if there are for a lot of us just a couple things that this journey is revolving around a couple open questions that we're trying to answer and something about that just it's just another layer of the storytelling like you know paradox that i just i can never wrap my head around how like something it, it can just keep coming up in so many different ways even if we don't know it or not I don't know. How, how, how about um, with theme? Do, do you feel as if you found your voice?
1: You know, I, I don't know if I have It's another one of those <laughs>
0: meta questions, right? Like I'm like hitting you with all the, like the I
1: like, do think that like with each, with each book that I write and publish, I feel like I get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better with my craft, or I'm challenging myself mm-hmm. more and more. And it's been interesting with A River Enchanted that a lot of readers say the book makes them, it's like this cozy read that, like a cozy winter read. And the book doesn't even, like the story doesn't take place in winter. It takes place like in summertime. But um, it's just giving them that feeling of almost being like wrapped in like a warm blanket and listening to someone tell you a story. And, and so I was like, I, I don't know, I find that, I love that readers are feeling that way because in some sense, again, this is like a book that I completely just let myself write and enjoy writing it. And I wrote a book that I wanted to read. And so I think there's something very liberating about that and just kind of like letting your voice shine through now, whether I've like found it yet or not, I think I'm still kind of discovering like, you know, what, what is my voice and Um, sometimes I do think as a writer that, you know, you never really fully arrive. You're always just kind of climbing, climbing, climbing. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why we love it is that you never really reach, reach Mm -hmm. anything. You're just always kind of leveling up again and again. But, um, I don't know. I find, I feel like voice can be, it is almost such a hard thing to describe too. when people, I'm sure like a, a reader who's read all my books might be able to tell right away if they're picking one of my books up. Um, again kind of going back to what we're talking about with themes like with family being a very important theme in my work um, so yeah I, I don't know if I've like if I've reached it yet but yeah that voice.
0: it's interesting because it's one of those things you hear a lot that um, agents and editors and critic whoever else are like it really had such a compelling voice and all the time mm. I'm like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> like what does that even mean to have a compelling voice yeah. <laughs>
1: Sometimes
0: and I think the same. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I have yet, outside of being like you know the voices, the tone and the style, whatever that you write in, like something ex- extremely academic, I've yet to hear anything that really clearly articulated what we're talking about here. It's another one of those like mysteries. We use the word a lot, same as like theme and whatever voice. It just, I don't know how well we know what we're talking about. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It's like, I, I know, I know what it is, but I can't really yeah. like describe it. Like, cause I do, you hear, if, if you are an author that is um, looking to query agents and you're doing all your research, you will hear agents say a lot, like, I want to see the voice like within that first chapter. And it's like, how do you, how do you bring that voice out? Like it's, it is, I don't know, it's hard, especially if you are, um, you know, somewhat of a new writer, you might mm-hmm. not I mean, I just like, I've learned so much just from being through the process over and over again with editors. Like I Mm -hmm. had no idea how to edit my own work until I started working with editors and then really seeing how they, um, ask me a lot of questions. I feel like that's really what a good editor is, is. They look at your work and they ask you a lot of questions here, here, here to make you think of things from a different angle. Um, or again, just helping you find places to cut for me. It's like, okay, we need to trim this or whatever. But yeah, I, it is one of those like mystical things that, yeah. People talk about all the time, and I wish I had a better way to like describe it. But um, sometimes I think too, like with fantasy books, it can feel even a little bit harder. I think to establish voice versus like a contemporary story, or even um, like first person narration. I feel like the voice is very quick to mm-hmm. jump off the page because it's mm-hmm. very intimate. Versus like third person, can a little bit harder, but. I don't know. That's something I guess we'll just have to, con- you know, keep know. wondering about mulling over.
0: This is why I've <laughs> I, i kind of, um, I, I've kind of made up my mind as it comes to the How Writers Write podcast that I'm just going to keep doing it until I feel good about a bunch of answers that <laughs> I don't have right now. And so there's there's a couple of these big ones. Like there's one, like where do stories come from? Um, you know, it's another one that we, we explore a lot on the show. Voice, theme, mm-hmm. all of these things I've been talking about for years now, and I don't know if I know it any better. theme, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe theme. I, I feel like I've gotten some good direction from the folks who've been able to interview on theme. but there's so much it, it, this is I think the the thing that's so interesting to me about story is it's one of the oldest things we have as humans. these only oldest ways we have to communicate. Um, we shared information way before there was the internet, there was story. you know, like like if we needed to tell, how do you survive throughout generations or how to be a good person throughout generations. It was told via a story, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't even write stuff down and keep it. So we've had this thing for so long in humanity and yet there's still so much mystery to it. And it's a weird thing. Like that to me just, ah, it's too interesting. Anyways, <laughs> um, here's the thing. We're at the part of our show where I need to ask you our final questions, but I don't really want to do that quite yet. So I'm going to ask you one more series of questions and I'm just kind of kicking the can down because I looked down at the time I was like oh no this went by too fast uh one of the things I haven't talked a lot about lately but I would love to ask you is is what was your process like to learn like the blocking and tackling of storytelling how did you get to the spot where you're like you know what I can write a novel?
1: It took many, many years, um, (laughs) which I know, I guess, you know, everyone is different. But for Mm -hmm. me, it started really, really early with my love of reading. So um, I just remember being a kid and just being a voracious reader. Um, I loved like the Chronicles of Narnia um, and the Dear America uh, series, which is about girls living through like significant um, events in American history. And um, I loved reading so much that I just started writing my own stories. So like I would even go get like printer paper, like out of the printer and fold it and staple it and like mm-hmm. make my own little bound books. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like one book. I remember when I was maybe like 14, I wrote it like in a journal. So it felt like a real book and hand wrote it on. I illustrated it and I actually reached the end and it was called the like, quest of the golden journey, which is just a hilarious title. I have quest and journey, like both in the <laughs> title. But um, I remember being like, just so proud of myself. Cause like, that was like, again, the first book that I had finished and I filled the entire journal. Um, but again, all through my teen years, I was just constantly writing, 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 I would sit at my desk and, and work all the time. Um, so when college time came around, I studied English. And just because I love reading and writing. So people would ask me, Oh, what are you studying? And be like, I'm studying English. And they would instantly think, Oh, are you going to teach? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, Oh, no, like I never even thought about teaching. And so they're like, well, what are you going to do with, with an English degree if you're not teaching? And I couldn't say, Oh, I'm going to write a book one day and it's going to be published. And I, you know, because it's like, you just don't know. It's just such mm-hmm. a, it's a hard thing to break into and you never know if you actually write a book that um, has that spark that you feel proud enough to even take to be published. So Um, so I was just like, you know, you know, these people like, I don't know, it made me doubt myself a little bit. Like, why am I studying English? But, um, I'm really glad I did. And so when I graduated, I was working at another university, um, and I love the job, but it was like an eight to five, eight to five, eight to five, eight to five. And so I had this moment when, um, one morning I was like, I have not been writing and I have been reading like years. Mm-hmm. And I told myself like, Hey, you're going to wake up one day and be 7, 75. And you're going to look back on your life and realize you didn't write anything. You didn't take it seriously. And you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. So since that moment, I was like, okay, like I'm going to set aside time and I'm going to start working on this idea that I have. And of course, like, you know, I was, I was sitting in an office, like looking at a laptop all day. So like the last thing I wanted to do mm-hmm. was come home and sit from the laptop and work. But I started doing that. And It took me a few months, but I actually completed um, a fantasy novel and it was quite long. It was very cliche, like full of all the cliches, (laughs) but I was so proud of it. And it taught me so much like, hey, this is how you, you weave a story together. This is how you build it. And even though, again, there were so many flaws within it, it was just such a good trial run for me. Like, okay, I have what it takes to actually sit down and get something written and make it to the end. Like I was just so dedicated and very protective of my writing time. Um, and so literally like a few months later is when I had my vision for the Queens rising. And because I had already been so diligent with my writing and had experienced writing a novel, like a full length fantasy novel, I was ready to write the Queens rising. So um, I drafted that book and that is the one that got me my agent and my publishing deal. So it, like changed my life. So I wow. feel like, you know, and I was like, you know, that was back in 2015. So I was maybe, I think I was maybe 27 when it happens so or just looking It took me like 27 years to really just um, practice, 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 read, like take in as much reading materials. I feel like reading will teach you a lot about storytelling beats. Um, And then you kind of mimic, you mimic your favorite authors in the beginning. Like when I was a teen, I was totally ripping off C.S. Lewis. And um, I love the Saddle Club books as well. And so like my series was like the Bridal Club, like total plagiarism, you know, but I was learning from them, like, this is how I write a story. And so um, you do that till you're ready to write your own. And then you just have to be super like diligent and dedicated to keep going. Even when you don't feel like, even when you yeah. don't feel like it, you just still show up and work. And, um, and if you do that, you will definitely reach the end. And, and again, I feel like you learn so much by reaching the end of a story and then you start learning how to edit yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is its own beast altogether. And unfortunately for myself and all of our listeners we will have to be part two of our interview someday. <laughs> so um, that's such a great story. And I I resonate really well that the, the thought of being like, there's a day that might come or that would come that you'll look back and be like, I didn't try and I could have, was the motivation I needed to be like, I, I have to do this. Like I have to do this. And it can take me 10 years. It can take me 20 years. It can take me five years. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to stop until it's done. And uh, that, that thought really resonated. In fact, there's a picture on the internet and I've said this on the podcast before a picture on the internet, somebody spray painting graffiti underneath like a bridge, like on a wall that said, I wish I had tried. Mm. And that line, I saw it, like, I was like a young man. I saw that and it just, it rocked me and it still sticks with me to this day. And so, yeah, you saying that I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay. Let's do this. Let's, let's dive into our final question. So, um, I do the same preamble just about on every single episode, just in case you're new listening. Um, I ask these two, these questions for this, for, for two reasons. First reason is I like the answers and it's my show. So I get to do whatever I want. Um, the second reason is I really love the diversity of answers we get. And I think a lot of times there's this expectation that a writer, you're supposed to write in one way. You're supposed to do it the way your favorite author does it or the way the educators tell you to do it or whatever it might be. And that's just not the truth. And my hope is that as you hear the answers of now 105 or six different authors who've given the answers to these, you realize nobody gives them the same. Everyone's different. And the authors in the show have found their own way to create. And that's the most important thing for all of us is to learn how to put words on the page. And I'm hoping these answers reinforce that. So question number one, here we go this is the newest one, by the way, of all the questions. And I love it. Okay. Here it is as a storyteller, what do you view your role is in this world?
1: So I have like two answers to this and I feel like the first as a storyteller, um, it is to emotionally manipulate Mm. you as a reader. Um, so I, I feel like if you're a reader and you're not, if a book isn't, making you feel anything, you know, that's not good. Like you, you want to be feeling something, but even just looking at it from like a craft point of view, like I really feel like in a sense, you are a God creating a world, especially if you're doing fantasy and you are literally building a world from the ground up um, because you're like this omniscient being where mm-hmm. you, you might, you might, even if you're discovery writing, you're discovering as you go, like you are in control of everything happening and you need to know like everything about your characters, what they're afraid of, what they hope for, what they want, what they need, what they'll sacrifice to get what they need. Um and, you know, even moving forward, you you're just propelling things and you are like controlling things. So I feel like it's somewhat of like this godlike mm-hmm. role. Okay.
0: I like that. Was there a second thing? You said you had thought but the second two. one
1: was the was the uh emotionally manipulating. Oh, so okay. Okay. looking as like from our like, uh, like emotional standpoint or like the impact it has on a reader Mm. uh, is like the emotion. Mm.
0: I like that. Okay. Question number two, what is one word or the one word that best describes you?
1: So I think I would have to go with introspective. Mm. And I just, growing up, I was very shy, very reserved, very much in my head all the time. That's probably why <laughs> I really loved writing. It was like this outlet, like a safe outlet mm-hmm. for me to sort through my thoughts and my feelings on a page. Um, and it's probably why writing really is like the only thing I want to do like with my life is that it's just this very powerful thing, especially when you are someone who's very much always in their thoughts and always like examining things and looking at things and um, it just helps to have something to kind of channel that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Introspective. I think that's the first time I've gotten that that word. Um, that's what I'm saying. Every answer is different. Okay. <laughs> Question number three. If you were going to, if you were die, if you died and you were able to be reincarnated as a book, and I call this your spirit book, what book would it be?
1: So I think I have to go with a book that... I reread every year, which I do not reread very many books because I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. There's this one book, like I still remember the first time I read it, it was like a very powerful just like experience. Um, and it is Finnegan of the Rock by Melina Marchetta. It is not necessarily an easy or happy read because it deals with a lot of difficult, dark subject matter. But Every single one of the characters I felt so invested in. It's a very epic story, too, where there's multiple points of views um, and just a very just heart-wrenching issue at the heart of that book. And I feel like um, it's just incredibly written. And again, like I've never read a fantasy book where I was crying over the secondary characters until I read Mm. this book. And I'm like, wow, like what is what's happening to me? Like Melina Marquette is like completely like cast a spell on me with this book. So, um, and I, I might even cheat and say like, it's a trilogy. So the whole series, the Lumetare Chronicles, cause it's nice to, to look at the series as a whole. Um,
0: you can, yeah, I talk about these okay. books
1: all the time because I just, they mean so much to me. So I would, I would just have to choose that series.
0: Okay. I'm going to go look it up. After this call, I get so many good book recommendations from this as well. Like, I feel like my TBR pile is huge just from all these these amazing every week. I get new recommendations of like great books. Anyways. Um, Okay. Question number four. Is there a specific tool? Can be anything at all? pencil, software, chair, coffee, tea, whatever that you absolutely must have to write.
1: Definitely have to go with coffee or tea. Um, I was always like, a devoted coffee drinker for like almost all my life. And last year I switched over to, to tea and I've absolutely loved it. So I definitely, my best writing time is right when I wake up in the morning. So I'll go make my cup of tea or coffee and then I will sit at my desk. And so that's like my most powerful mm. time to write is that just woken up and here's my warm drink. So mm.
0: love it. Okay. Question number five, how do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life?
1: It's definitely hard. Um, I feel like, you know, you might have one day where you have a great day and you love everything you wrote and later the next day you will hate everything you wrote. <laughs> so it is like this up and down thing, Yeah. but I think I just have to go back to like, you know what, this is what I love doing. I honestly can't not write. Um, cause if I just stopped writing, I'm pretty sure I would be quite miserable. So, um, I think again, just like taking away the layers of all the worry and angst of it and just being like, why am I doing it? I'm doing it because I love storytelling. And yeah. so I'm just kind of holding on to the love, like doing it because I love it and enjoy it.
0: Mm, I like that. Okay, last question for you. If you could give one piece of advice to new writers out there, what would it be?
1: Well, I already somewhat touched on this. Um, but it would just be to write the book that you want to read. I think sometimes um, authors who are looking to get an agent or get published, they're looking at the publishing trends, like what's hot right now, what's selling right now. And I think they feel pressured to write, write what's something that's going to sell. Um, but I do think that there's just something very powerful in writing a book of your heart, a book that you, again, if you were walking through the bookstore and you saw this book on the shelf, it would like stop you in your tracks and mm-hmm. you take it home. And it would be like, um you know, coming home as you're reading it. I think there's just nothing more powerful than that when you write a book like that. And I think yeah. it's definitely going to find readers who need it and an agent who's going to love it or an editor who's going to love it, I think, because they will see that you actually, you, you, you are in the book in a sense, like you wrote something that you're very passionate about.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, where can people find you online? Like where do you hang out? Where are your current haunts, Twitter, or Instagram, or where are you?
1: So I am mainly on Instagram. Um, so my my handle is Becca J Ross. So like all my news breaks there first, I'm very active there. I do have a Twitter and a Facebook account, but that's pretty much only for updates. Um, and then my website too. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to keep it updated. Sometimes it's hard. Like, oh my goodness, my website, I need to update it. Yeah. But that's just RebeccaRossAuthor.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. And- sharing your journey with me. I mean, we get like touched on so many super interesting topics. You know, it's like part of the reason I love this show so much, but um, I just so appreciate it. And wishing you the best luck um, with A River Enchanted coming out February 15th, 2022, right around literally 12 days away from when we're recording this.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love getting to chat with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you again to Rebecca for her time. If you haven't yet, please leave us a rating and review. Also, check me out on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me sometimes tweeting, sometimes Instagramming. Lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week of writing.